0: Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students.
1: Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew.
0: And we are live here for the crew. Second summer show of the week. First Wednesday crew here. Jake Schmid and Dylan McCoy here with you. Dylan, how are you doing today on this really awesome summer day?
2: Yeah, um, I mean it was awesome until I had to drive somewhere, and for some reason in New Jersey, uh, I don't know if everyone has realized it's summer now, but traffic was really bad. So oh yeah, it's not been awful in my car. But this is this is a much better part of my day uh, being on the WR crew, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's that's awesome, uh, as well. And Alex Carminati also joining the show. Alex, how's it going? Alex, can you hear us?
2: Seems like a bad connection. Maybe you should hire uh Tim Tebow to fix that. Well,
0: he's What's on the Jaguars on? now, so we don't uh, we'll check back in with Somehow. uh, Alex. But a lot of exciting stuff going on on the banks this week. We've got Rutgers lacrosse going. For looking for their first trip to go to the Final Four on Saturday, we've got the Rutgers spring game on Sunday, and for the first time, Dylan, we actually know who the quarterback's going to be in the. It's going to be Noah Vedro for the fall.
2: Wait, the spring game's not. Was it not supposed to be tomorrow? I thought it was tomorrow.
0: It's. Uh, it is tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. My bad. It's tomorrow. Uh, seven thirty. Oh, we'll have worry, coverage worry. of that here on WRSU FM, New Brunswick, and it's a. Uh, The Scarlet and White game, it was pushed back because of COVID. It'll be tomorrow at 7. The uh, game will start.
2: Yeah, they have a capacity of 5,000 for the game. They had a capacity of zero for graduation, but 5,000 for the spring game. Um, I'm going to be on the call. I think I want to say and I'm not sure who else is honestly going to be on the call, but very excited to cover that game. My first time really covering Rutgers football um and yeah I really am excited to see everyone play I'm excited to see everyone stay healthy that's that's the biggest thing for the game tomorrow yeah that's the biggest thing
0: yeah they they made strides last year they they definitely made strides and of course it was an all Big Ten uh slate of course due to COVID-19 so they they got it off the ground running they beat Michigan State for their first ever win you know Big Ten win that that in a while over 18 games and then they only were good on the road. They were 3-1 uh, and one away, 0-5 at home. So, you know, as you're doing your prep for uh, for this game, you know that Noah Vegrell is going to be the starting quarterback going. And you know Isaiah Pacheco and Aaron Young are coming back at the running back spot. And I expect a big year for Bo Mellon at the receiver spot.
2: Yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, we definitely want to look at the established players. But I think the spring game is also a great time for some of those freshmen to get a chance, you know, the first uh, recruiting class of Graciano, you could say, this 2021 class. Um, a lot of interesting players coming out. And um, yeah, it's going to be very exciting to see everyone get a look. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the spring game. I definitely want to see, definitely excited to see Rutgers football people in uh, Shy Stadium again.
0: Yeah, definitely. It'll be good to have uh, crowds again. Of course, you know, their first game will be on September 4th against Temple. Uh, Reun- re- reunited of the Big East matchup and then Syracuse the week after. But they start the ground running end of September. Uh, they got Michigan on September 25th. And then they're hosting Ohio State on October 2nd. And Dylan, they have some, you know, obviously the Big Ten is a tough matchup, tough conference overall. But you're going against Ohio State, who just lost Justin Fields to the NFL draft, Michigan State team that they defeated. Uh, Illinois, who they played very well and they lost to on that last second field goal. So I guess, you know, over under, what do you think about the their record going in?
2: Honestly, I think the non-conference schedule helps a lot. Like because we had three wins last year, and I think our first non-conference game, like we played Delaware at some point, and and we're gonna beat Delaware. Um, but overall, I think Rutgers could realistically be a five-six win team this year. Um, and yeah, I think a bowl game is something that is like on the outskirts of being possible, but it definitely is possible. Um, and I think that. There is a chance that we see Rutgers getting to play in some postseason football, which very kind of weird, at least for me, because like I haven't seen Rutgers really be good since 2014, so I don't really remember the feeling of them being like actually good. But it's exciting to see. I mean, you know, everyone knew when Greg came back that this program was definitely going to change. We didn't know how much it was going to change. We see now, um, we went from the laughing stock of the of college football we were the laughing stock we were literally the worst power 5 team to being you know not a we're not going to challenge for our conference championship anytime soon but we're formidable we're not a team unless you're like an ohio state we're not a team where you know it's like going to be an easy game um we 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 can compete with a lot of good teams and i think that you know just seeing the spring game and just you know seeing the recruiting that's been going on it's all a positive for this football program hopefully getting back to where they were you know, when Greg was here the first time, and we were number seven in the country at one point.
0: Yeah, definitely. And now we've got Alex Carminati on today. Alex, how are you doing?
1: Guys, thanks so much for having me on. Sorry I uh, had some issues connecting, but nonetheless, I'm here. I'm with you on, on the uh, Wednesday crew of WRSU. Uh, Jake, to follow up on Dylan's point, look, Rutgers, uh football, I'm. Uh, this should be a team we should watch out for, not just because of Greg uh, Chiano's true. I mean, Last year was technically his first full season, but when you have actual out-of-conference opponents, sort of a, I mean, non-COVID still with COVID issues, don't get me wrong, but going forward when it comes to the fall coming up, um, you're sort of having more of a sort of a more normal-based type of season. And when it comes to the the points Dylan made, the points you made, uh, Ohio State lost Justin Fields. Michigan's a bit of a different team. So is Michigan State, Illinois, all these different teams, Uh, The Big Ten probably still will be dominated by Ohio State. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I like the point on how Dylan talks about five, six six wins, possible bowl game. That's possible. We'll see how it plays out. Um, They open up against Temple Week 1. I'm really excited for that. But this weekend for for the spring game, um, it's going to be really pumped, uh, really exciting to see how things will play out. You're having 5,000 fans. Of course, uh, like we've mentioned before, wh- whether that's uh, con- uh, controversial or not, that that's that's moved on from. But the point is, is that at least you're having a crowd, and you're seeing these players. You'll see them in full effect. You'll see how it goes through um, this spring game, which could be a possible uh, positive preview for what to expect for the fall season. But Greg Shano, again, he's been doing lots of recruiting. You've got Anthony Johnson coming from Philadelphia. They, they they recruited Gavin uh, Wimsat. Whether he'll start next year probably probably won't happen. It'll, it'll probably be no, Noah Vedral, like you guys have been talking about. But for for going forward for 2021 and beyond, 2021 could be another preview of what to expect from Rutgers football, not just for this season coming up on how competitive they can be, but 5, 10, 15 years, et cetera, going forward from now. This could be again this area with, with uh, Greg Shanno c- coming back in his first first uh full season sort of his first uh two seasons as the bench boss altogether um it shows dividends on how uh how far this Rutgers team has grown uh, grown from from the Chris Ash days and the abysmal times when uh when uh, Greg Shannon left back in 2012 for the first time altogether you're seeing lots of optimism lots lots of positive rates and positive uh Headlines, storylines, all that going forward for the spring game, for the 2021 season. We'll see how it all plays out once it actually rolls around. But for the spring game, uh, people should be pumped. People should be excited. Football is back for Rutgers football. Uh, you have the spring game, of course, these players. We'll see who's who who might step up, who might show, show off early, who could be someone we can watch out for very early before the season actually begins. And we'll see what strings Greg Schiano continues to pull again, back with Rutgers in his second stint.
0: And I think one position you're really going to have to key in on is the trenches, right? The offensive, defensive lineman. Defensive lineman, you're basically the only leader and senior really back is Julius Turner, who started um, most of that season. And offensive lineman, you bring back Nick Crimin, of course, uh, Reggie Sutton, and uh, Rayquan O'Neal. But aside from those three guys, the offensive line is pretty battered. It's pretty... Uh, it, it's very uh, heavily dominated by underclassmen, such as Tunde Fadukasi, uh, linebacker Kunle's brother, um, as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Rutgers develops, um, especially a defensive line, because we know that Rutgers had some problems rushing the quarterbacks. We know the defensive line was a little bit inconsistent um, last season, and you're looking at, especially now, you don't have Michael Dwumfour back. You know he's was signed. You know he's going. He's pursuing his NFL dra- NFL endeavors. Uh, but you have, you know, you're looking at guys like Ireland, Burke, uh, me and Ahana, too, who didn't really see a lot of time last season are going to have to step up as well. A lot of freshmen on that defensive line. I think that's a really a big area that I'm going to be listening to. when uh, when Dylan, when you call the game, especially the the way that the Rutgers defense, you know, we've seen them uh, having getting problems uh, rushing the quarterback.
2: Yeah, losing guys like Elon Lemore and Mike Tivertoff on the defensive line is definitely a problem. Those are two guys that work very hard. Um, and you know, I, I think it overall is going to be this kind of long term challenge where, you know, Rutgers is starting to recruit the skill guys and like that's awesome. We need skill guys, but ultimately, you know, Rutgers is gonna have to be that team that convinces the number one lineman in the state to come home. Um, and I mean we have a chance to do that this year. Uh, you know, someone who I personally have known met a few times, Jacob Allen, the number one player in Jersey picking between Rutgers and Penn State. He's a tackle. Um, And, you know, I I think it is, if we're going to be uh, really competitive and, like, actually, like, a winning team in the Big Ten, it's going to have to be, like, a stretch over the next couple of years where we recruit very heavy on the line. Not to say that we shouldn't get more receivers and backs and corners and safeties in. Like, obviously, we need those positions, but the the most deficient positions, I would say, for Rutgers right now is still the line compared to the rest of the Big Ten. So I definitely think they need to focus on that in the upcoming recruiting cycles to, uh, kind of catch up with the rest of the programs in the conference.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a a way that they're going to be looking at as well. I'm also looking at Isaiah Pacheco to have a big season. I think last year the leading touchdown uh, scorer was Bo Melton, the receiver, who had a really big season season. Um, he's been, we haven't really seen, you know, he really reminds me of like Leonty Carew, somebody who really can run his routes very sharply. He's very speedy and he's very, he's very agile too with his catching ability. So he's somebody that really took big strides when his sophomore, you know, his, his, uh, his underclassmen, his upperclassmen seasons. Um, but I'm looking at Pacheco who only had three touchdowns, but averaged 4.4 yards. He really averaged less than five yards a game. And that's somebody who going in, you need to have um, a big production out of Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, I like the trick plays they did with Melton, um, the jet sweeps they used with Bo Melton. He was, he had uh, about, you know, 70 yards per game, had a couple touchdowns rushing as well. But I think Isaiah Pacheco is somebody that really is, they're going to be, Chiana's going to be focusing on offensively. And Sean Gleason, uh, especially that it's going to be Noah Vedro playing the full season. And if he's healthy and Isaiah Pacheco, he led the team with, 515 rushing yards, 116 carries. He was top 10 in the Big Ten in that area, but he's somebody who's got to be a top-five player, somebody that came into Rutgers, recruited very well out of South Jersey and Vineland South, and he's somebody that I think has to make that big jump this season to be that explosive back that Rutgers has really needed him to be.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely indeed. And, I mean, so many high expectations were in play for Pacheco last year. He had a pretty good start to the year. Had that big game against Michigan State. Yeah. Afterwards, again, you saw it uh, sort sort of uh, dwindle down, and you, you saw him put up the numbers he did. Very disappointing. Even rumors, maybe at times, he might have transferred. Look, he's staying the way it looks right now, but um, altogether, you know, he's a guy you 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 have to give more confidence in that whole D line and offensive line. Something something Rutgers can really work on, I think is confidence, confidence uh, building the mental aspect of things when it comes to the game of football. And look, they they might need offensive tackles, defensive tackles. They lost lots of key players to the NFL draft, uh, what have you. You have to worry uh, something I would focus on and maybe something you can use in this spring game coming up this weekend on Saturday um, is uh, work, work, work on confidence boosting, work on motivation, work on work on the mental aspect of uh, the game of football and carry on from that into entering up to this uh, 2021 season. Something um, again with COVID and everything happening last year, sure things were rattled off completely different. Teams were, were trying to do, do the best they did with the uh, uns- unprecedented circumstances put their way. Rutgers did a pretty decent job with it. I mean they, they, they went three and six. Technically that's not a good record, but for a Rutgers team that was in so many shootout games, so many close games all the way through that uh, nine-game season, and Rutgers one of the few teams uh, to actually play all nine in-conference games in the Big Ten Conference last season, and of course they they played uh, Nebraska also as well uh, to end it, when you look at Rutgers altogether when it comes to building confidence, that's something really they have to work on, and when it comes to building confidence for the offensive players, the defensive players, all across this Rutgers team. When it comes to how you can get production from these offensive linemen and defensive linemen, uh, uh, they uh, they are looking to build around more, but also when it comes to to these new players, these uh, new roles stepping in and how they're they're looking also to fill those holes, whether or not Rutgers uh, make some more recruits, all that going forward, something you, you, you should work on is how you build confidence for around the team and how you make this Rutgers team even more welcoming than it pretty much is already. It's a welcoming team. Don't get me wrong. You saw it last season, and last season, I mean, Greg Schiano in his first year back, he turned this team around into an, to a real offensive show. And you saw them put up several points, several touchdowns, getting sem- so many shootouts um, between several Big Ten opponents. Jake, you especially remember that, that uh, Michigan game in triple overtime I don't believe you left until like 12 in the morning past that. Yeah. I know Chris Acconis, I, and yeah. someone else. I, I can't was can't there for the Targum. Yes, yeah, yeah I, I saw you there, it Dylan. It might have been you, Dylan. But yeah. uh, the I point is, is that. Call, I that say?
2: No, or was Jake Jake? Right, that, that, was,
1: that was a uh, shootout game, a close game, a game Rutgers could have had. Uh, nonetheless uh, I was done here by at least 116 a.m I, I I remember that yeah you were doing nightline is, duty is that I was but uh the point is is that when it comes to how uh, Rutgers can build confidence around those moments and and build confidence all together as a team that's something you have to look out for as well and again when it comes to Vedral taking uh, you know coming back win coming in as that freshman whatever it may be, um, that's something you you have to build there. But Fadakasi, these captains, these veterans, and uh, bowmelt and also Isaiah Pacheco, you have to build confidence and a true mental strong relationship between each player, each coach, each teammate. All that going forward at all positions. But if 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 you really want to uh, fix fix those uh, offensive linemen, defensive lineman concerns, you have. That's a first step going forward to see what can transpire afterward.
2: Yeah, I know we're talking about the linemen, but I just have to say something about Isaiah. I, I really like the kid. I think he's a great running back. just has nice to get a field. I just – every every game – like, I was there a lot for the Targum last year. My The editors passed, uh, you know got me to cover a lot of football games, which is awesome. So I got to go a lot with no fans, which is interesting. Um, yeah. The one thing I saw out of Isaiah though, he's got a lot of skill. He makes a lot of people miss. He's good in the open field. He just needs to push upfield more. He's, he's a very side to side type of runner. Yeah. I just think he would benefit a lot from just, just gaining yards and, and going upfield. You know, uh, a lot of, a lot of coaches will say, you know, I remember from high school and before, a lot of coaches, they wanted a North and South running back. And right now, Isaiah Pacheco is more of an east and west running back. So I think, mm. you know, with, with an O-line that's probably a little bit improved from his first couple seasons um, on the banks, I, th- I think he just needs to focus on just gaining yards more and, and less a little bit less on making uh, everybody miss um, just because I think he's going to have a more productive season if, if he can adopt that mindset.
1: And to be honest with you, get back down to the basics. Look, he, he has the skill. He has the potential. He's got all of that. He's had a really questionable down year last year. If you're Isaiah Pacheco, Dylan, and again, you, you mentioned the east to west, north to south, all that going forward, we're focus on that north to south type of play and get back to the basics. That's something Isaiah Pacheco should also work on if, if he really wants to be, you know, a star and turn things around for Rutgers in that running game. When it comes back to the O-linemen and how they can work with Isaiah Pacheco that's another confidence mentorship mentality type of aspect i've been talking about something i'm personally big on to begin with but 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 the point is is that um isaiah need, should grow a relationship with these uh linemen he's played with before but also these linemen he might not know exactly he might not have played with exactly you have some new players coming in you have some spots to fill all together build relationships on that aspect but but again going back to isaiah's uh, own personal play just get get work back on the basics and build your way forward up there once once you have that full confidence back that swagger back you're, you're you're producing you're having success in the system then you can sort of experiment that but the point is is to go back to the basics focus first on you know typical football uh, ru- ru- running back skills and just push through on that beat be that north south running back deal and like you mentioned and then worry about that east-west sort of crazy uh, flips, hurdles, whatever it is, those uh, fancy plays. Worry about that later down the road. Keep that in your back pocket. Focus on the north-south basics first.
0: And he's got the speed, too. I mean, we've seen him, like, blow past oh, sure defenders, does. especially that Michigan State team. It's a Michigan State team who came in having one of the best rushing defenses in the Big Ten. He put up a lot of good yards against them. i um, He's gotta be somebody who hits above ninety-five yards. He's gotta be one of those he's been one of those kind of guys. I mean, his freshman year, he was had a very good season and I, I think that's the right way to think about it, Dylan, going, you know, north to south. And I think that that's the kind of guy that you want Pacheco to be. I mean, look at that Illinois game. He had 133 rushing yards on a season-high 20 carries, but no touchdowns. He's got to find the back of the uh, end zone. He's got to be somebody. Also, I want to see him transition to that, you know, that pass-catching role as well for Noah Vedro. We know that Noah um, utilized a lot of backs like Aaron Young when he would throw um, a lot of halfback reads. Uh, I think that's something that you want to see uh, HB screens. I think that's something that Pacheco could thrive in as well, but he's got to focus more on that fundamentals and the rest will come. I think that he's going to be somebody who's going to make the jump. I think that Greg Schiano is going to be with his presence again for his first full season. That doesn't just include big 10 games, but You've got, you know, of course, you've got Syracuse from the ACC and you've got Temple from the American Athletic Conference. So it's going to be good to have those kind of teams. And you're playing teams you didn't even see last year, like Northwestern. You're going to play uh, Northwestern and Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, was a very, you know, good team. And Northwestern doesn't have Peyton Ram- uh, Ramsey anymore. He's gone. Um, so there's definitely going to be improvement uh, for this team for Pacheco. But I, I worry when Rutgers plays a team like Indiana, who, of course, what happened to Michael Penix when he heard his tour's ACL was out for the year. But. You know, Indiana is still, you know, they were a top 15 team. They're going to be a top 15 team going into this season. They're going to be really a team to watch for. And I think Rutgers is trying to follow that Indiana blueprint that Tom Allen really has them going for.
1: Jake, you mentioned all of that. And something that was big last year, again, whether it was nine games, whether it was playing nine weeks straight, all that, I get that. Going forward, this team got very fatigued and worn out early, I would say. And again, they were up by double and you, you saw it against Michigan. You saw it against Indiana. You saw it against Illinois. You saw it against several teams in the big Ten. They, they, they had either you know strong single digit or even double digit leads against these, these teams. Indiana, the first home game of the year. Rutgers led them by probably 14 at one point. And Indiana was uh, number 17 in the country. So Rutgers really gave you know it all going forward in that first half. You saw them slip out and get so tired, so worn out very early on, and then afterwards, again coming into that uh, second half, third quarter, fourth quarter, you saw them get outscored completely, barely put up offensive numbers, and let defenses, especially on uh, the the running defensive side, just light them up, rank them up completely. Rutgers defense had a big issue when it comes to containing the run. That's something they really have to work on also as well. That that that's a whole n- another factor. My original point here is is that they need to work on uh, not being too fatigued, not not being too worn out very early. And again, that that might have been something because of nine straight weeks, uh, COVID nineteen var- varied schedule, all that going forward. Lots of teams didn't play in the Big Ten. Rutgers was one of the few, if not the only school, to actually play all nine in conference games in that 2020 season. Um, again, the point is is that you should they should work on fatigue. They should work on stamina. And again, it, it's good to start off early. It's good to start off fast. Have a setback, contain it a bit more, and save most of that energy for where it really matters in the third and especially the fourth quarter of play.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, that's. Oh, um, you go, Dylan.
2: I was going to say, I'm happy you mentioned Isaiah as like a passing back. Um, you know, the last couple of years, Rutgers has passed to their running backs out of necessity most of the time. Most of the time, they're about to get sacked, dump it off to the quarterback. But. I think with Rucker, you know, in in a more competitive team, um, it, I think that having a running back who is a pass catcher is is a huge asset. Um, you know, you're still gonna get rushed a lot, and, and you need like a check down type option. Um, and Isaiah is really good at, you know, getting up to his like top speed very quickly. So I think he's a a, a good asset in the uh, in the uh, passing game, and he's definitely someone that Rucker is gonna have to rely on in both aspects this year, if they want to be successful.
0: Yeah, he he definitely is going to have to be uh, someone like that as well. I'm also expecting, you know, a big jump for Aaron Cruikshank, too, at receiver. I mean, he came in having, you know, he had that kickoff return touchdown in the bowl game for Wisconsin. He's somebody that was, um, he was an honorable mention All-American from Phil, Phil Steele a year ago, and he's somebody who has been, who was the Big Ten, you know, return specialist of the year. He's somebody who has really provided a spark for Rutgers on the kickoff unit and the uh, in the uh halfback sweep unit he's been he's been in that backfield he had 35 uh 96 yards excuse me on 35 carries last season he had a touchdown too altogether the last season he only had two touchdowns one catching and then one on the ground so he's somebody who really i expect to be cut out that big role for him uh he's somebody who really coming in or going into the set last season was somebody that I guess, Greg Shiano had big expectations for because he built up that reputation of being a special teams guru, that return specialist at Wisconsin. And he's trying he's transitioned that with Rutgers, too. So he's somebody that I'm really looking forward to watching. And of course, also, you know, we talk about Paul Melton, we talk about Cruikshank. Shameen Jones had three touchdowns last season, uh, just half as many as uh, Melton. So he's somebody who's really I think is going to make that jump too. He did a lot of things last season. He kind of came out of nowhere and established himself last season. Didn't really play much, have that uh only had two receptions really 2019 and last season he really ev- evolved in the slot. I think that Shameen Jones is going to be somebody uh who who is really going to be a down downfield option for Noah Vegrel. He had a lot of yards after catch too. So he's him and Melton are going to be that two-headed monster passing. And I think Cruikshank, he's got to turn into that. And Isaiah Washington, too, as well. And Rutgers could have a very improved passing game, too.
1: You need to build weapons around Noah Vedrill if if, if you want to keep him confident and productive. He had the weapons. Sometimes, again, some of the play calling was questionable last year. But the point is, is that, you know, use those weapons in Noah Vedrill's favor. Bo Melton had such a great year. Don't get me wrong. Shamid Jones had a good year too. But Jake, at times, Shamid Jones was 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 barely targeted at the same. That's time. true too. He was you inconsistent. Saw him go off. Yeah, it 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 was very inconsistent at times. You saw him go off in that first game of the year against Michigan State. That was really his big game. I mean, yeah. Again, you know, I can't really think of one other one. He did, he did have a few performances here and there. Don't get me wrong. But you mentioned he was very inconsistent and they barely used him last year. You mentioned Cruikshank. Use him more, too. Uh, use more of uh, of, um, of uh, Jones. And look, s- surrounded all around Bo Melton. I get that. Get Vedril some other options because, again, they know Bo's his weapon. They'll probably double team him all the way going forward. Utilize Shameen Jones even more in that offensive passing system. And that's how, you know, you can improve this Rutgers offense to even further heights than it was last year. And, and again, last year was a incredible improvement. But um, use, use Bo Melton, keep, keep him where he is, of course, but use Samin Jones more and upgrade him to that uh, second-level, number-two wide receiver type of position where he can be that second-string guy Federal can throw to, Federal can count on. And that will bring this offense even further and higher when it comes to offensive passing quality. Vedrel, say say what you want about him. Look, um, personally for me, Vedrel, I like him. He's he he's he's decent. He's a good quarterback. He can throw, he he can throw the touchdowns when you need it. He can also cost you a game against you at the same time. You saw him in the first three games at home, Jake. He threw seven interceptions in three home games. I get that, and, and again, some of the play calling was not great. But if you build up Vedrill's confidence, you give him more more, more receivers and weapons to work with, that can be a big game-changer for Noah Vedrill in this upcoming year, too.
0: Yeah, I think that that's really what we really want to see. With Vedrill going forward, I think that he's somebody, you know, that's going to have to step up. He's also got to keep him healthy, too. I think that that's a way to look at it as well. Which area, you know, Alex Dillon, what area do you guys think that Rutgers can really develop, you know, not just offensively, but defensively as well? They got a lot of veteran leadership in that secondary uh, between Keyshawn Abraham. Um, they really, Trey Avery coming back again, they have a lot of veteran leadership in that cornerback and the safety spot in the linebacker spot. Of course, uh, Tyshawn Fogg coming back is great. I think that that's really one of the big storylines is him coming back and coming to grad school and being able to stay on that unit. He's, he was a force um, for the Scarlet Knights last season uh, the you know, on the field, off the field, he was a team captain. He, you know, last season, 70 tackled total tackles Um uh, he had a really good couple interceptions, a couple of fumble recoveries. He's somebody that can really ignite that linebacker unit going forward.
2: Yeah. Um, well, if, if we're talking about positions, ruggers, developed. I think the line uh, we're talking about before is definitely like, if, if you look at it in terms of. What do they need to develop to be a better team this upcoming year? It would have to be their offensive and defensive line. Like you said, there's a lot of veteran presences coming back, um, you know, in the skill positions. Um, and I think that just the inexperience, you know, I, I think we may be a little undersized as well, just because we, you know, still need to recruit, um, you know, Big Ten type offensive linemen. But I, I, I think that these guys also are just a little bit inexperienced. And I think, you know, just – having a lot of coaching dedicated to them and a lot of drills dedicated to them is definitely going to be an important part of Shiano's uh, prep for the upcoming season.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll go back to the the, uh, the kickoff of this segment. Offensive line, defensive line, mainly that defensive line. Badikasi, uh, Taishon Tyshawn Fogg, uh, Jake, you mentioned those guys earlier and more recently. Those are two guys who, who can be big leaders on that defensive line. And I mentioned it when it comes to containing run defense. You know, those guys are coming back. Those guys need, need, need to be those senior captain type of leaders, grad student leaders, of course, as well, that, that, that you really need in this mix to, uh, again, to be stable, to, to, to not get too uh, fatigued early, but to also hold down run defense, which was a big issue for this team last year. Focus on that. That should be a big thing going forward. Personally, again, I'm just pumped to see how, how this thing plays out. Actually, I, they, they must have changed it last minute because the game's actually tomorrow. Correct me uh, uh, about that. Sorry about that. But uh, the, the point is, is that we should be excited for how things will be playing out. 2021, you see Greg Schiano in, I mean, again, his, his second year back, his first full sort of season, if, if you want to consider it that, with, with, with the whole regular schedule type of thing. But uh, Greg Schiano comes in. He's back in the mix of things. He's turning this program around. You saw a slight success, a, a big turnaround last year, especially offensively. You still got to work on some, some things defensively. Lots of stuff to look out for. Lots of stuff, stuff to be uh, excited for at the same time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Of course, we got the spring game coverage tomorrow at 7.30. Uh, at 7 o'clock. Dylan McCoy is going to be on the call uh, for that as well. Uh, but we'll step aside. Locks of the week. We got a lot of big NBA split slate. The playing games are today. We got Spurs, Grizzlies, Warriors, Lakers. playoffs starting this weekend. Uh, hockey as well. MLB slate. So who wants to start us off right now?
1: Let's let's go yes. ahead. I'll kick us off. Time to bat up. Um, playing game tonight. The Warriors, the Lakers. This should be a great matchup. LeBron versus Steph. Uh, Northern California versus Southern California. I'm going to say Golden State takes it. My lock of the week is going to be that, uh, of, of course, Golden State wins. Steph Curry is going to put up 50 points tonight. Just he's like Tatum? Just like Tatum, he's going to have an incredible game tonight. Steph Curry has been carrying this Warriors team on his shoulders the entire season long. It's going to happen again tonight. The, the Lakers have slipped slipped off big time ever since the, the uh LeBron injuries, Anthony Davis, all that going forward. Look, they, they've been able to muscle their way back somewhat, but they're in this playing tournament because of that. I think Steph Curry and the Warriors, again, they have been so uh, dominant thanks to Steph's play. I think Steph carries them even further. He carries them into the playoffs. I, I'm going to say they win tonight. They're guaranteed that playoff spot. And who, whoever they play in the second playing tournament game, I'm going to say they're going to win that game too. And Steph... I'm not saying 50 points back-to-back, but what I'm saying is that Steph Curry w- will be guaranteed to have double-digit points in back-to-back games uh, in order to get his Golden State team into the playoff. That's my lock of the week.
0: All right, put it in the books. That's a uh, go-follow Alex's advice. That's that's pretty good. I don't know, though. 50 points. We saw what Tatum did, but it's against the Lakers. I don't know.
2: That Listen, you could I it. understand that he's been hurt all year. But that guy has made the finals ten of the last eleven seasons. I am not gonna bet on him to lose a first. Round. They might. I mean, they definitely could. If LeBron's still injured, I definitely think it's it's a hundred percent possible. Yeah. Dylan,
1: you mentioned Ma- that, but but Steph Curry's the same guy that beat LeBron James in three of four NBA Finals during that time.
2: That's line. not no. You you can't do that. The, those were super teams. Yeah, it, he doesn't have Kevin doesn't Durant have, anymore. He doesn't have Clay. He doesn't have Kevin Durant. 2015. He doesn't have Draymond Green in his prime. Those were super teams. Hey, all of them. Not all. He's he still got the rings. He still got the rings.
0: It'll be him the and Wiggins against LeBron.
2: Yeah, that's not exactly a great. And Ubre's hurt. hurt. <laughs> Kelly Ubre is hurt. You'll see. Um. So so my lock is going to be the other game. Um. You know, in my personal opinion, no one wanted to see the Spurs in the playoffs. No. Everyone wanted to see the Pelicans take that ten spot until Zion got hurt. Um. No one wants to see this first team. I don't really think they're good enough to be a playoff team. Uh, Memphis really is not either, but I like Memphis. I like John Moran. I like Dylan Brooks. I like Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, They're minus four tonight against the Spurs. I think that's a pretty safe line. I think they win by, you know, seven, eight points. Uh, I definitely think they're going to cover minus four. So Grizzlies minus four against the Spurs, my lock tonight. I don't know who they match up with if they win this game, but I think the seven and eight are going to be the seven and the eight in the West. I think they're both going to eventually get in. They're just so much better than these two other teams.
0: That's a good lock. That's a that's a good one. I'm going to go to playoffs as well, but in the NHL, full slate of NHL playoff games, four games right now. Caps Bruins just getting underway at 630, which is a weird, really weird time. But I'm going to take Carolina over Nashville, Carolina minus 200 at home. They beat the Predators 1-0. They've been unreal this season. They've been a really big surprise winning that whole division. Uh they won 5-2 last time. I think they win this one. They go up 2-0 and 2-0 leads. It's hard to come back down 2-0, so I'll pencil that one in.
2: I like it. I mean, I don't know the first thing about the NHL playoffs, so I'm going to I I like it. If I were to if I were to tail anyone's bet, it would probably be yours only because it's the game I knew the least about. Yeah. So I, I would Put my most
0: most favorite Carolina in has
1: been incredible.
0: Yeah, they have been a lot I of mean, young guys, great goaltending, great defense. They've been fun to watch.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I tell you, thank goodness we got sports all the way back. I mean, it it's been back for a year now, but I'll say it again and again and again. With COVID, with everything going on, we're blessed to be having sports. And you know what? These 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 playoffs, these tournaments, all of that. They should have started maybe a month earlier. They would have if if it was a normal time. To be honest with you guys, I don't mind starting a month later where we have things going into late June or early July possibly. I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I am too. It's it's good to uh to see that. I mean, I I don't just I just you know sick and tired of watching baseball and MLS soccer uh during the summer. So it's it's good to have that playoff atmosphere. It was great to have A somewhat resemblance of that last year, but now with you know more vaccinations, more restrictions, uh, less lessening of restrictions uh, for COVID. It's been good to you know get more people in the arena and the NBA. I mean, you look at the games this week and also for Saturday. I mean, you have some good matchups. The Heat, the Bucks start everything off on Saturday. Uh, Celtics, Nets is going to be fun to watch. Mavs, Clippers is going to be interesting, and Trailblazers, Nuggets. We've seen them go at it so many times. Of course, you know Absolutely. Damian Lillard back in the playoffs. Is, there's a lot of good storylines for this NBA, uh, for this draft, of course. And the Hawks Knicks on Sunday, of course, the Knicks going hosting a playoff game too. Uh, That's right, exit. It's crazy. Tickets as low as two hundred and twelve dollars on StubHub. Wow,
2: wow. To be honest, getting a Knicks watch playoff out ticket for, for the cheap Knicks. is extremely surprising. Oh
0: yeah.
1: You don't even get Knicks regular season tickets
2: that are
0: cheap. No.
1: That is true. I'll, I'll say Crazy. this about the Knicks. Look, they won't go far. I think they will win round one. I think they'll be at Atlanta. I'm just excited. Let's say it's a possible 76ers Knicks matchup, a little, little old school. Yeah. Again, with, with these uh, tough, nitty gritty rivals. I'm watching out for that, too. I mean, altogether, if you're in the tri state Philly area, Buckle up for some NBA basketball because you're, I mean, you're, you're, you might be guaranteed to have two teams to make, make the conference finals, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. Probably going to happen. But the Knicks are a team on the rise. It's been, it's been a long time since they've been in playoff contention. A team that has been relevant also. It's, it's exciting to see. It's awesome to see. I think they win round one, but round two, let's say they play Philadelphia for argument's sake. That's going to be something really big as well to, uh, to uh, show the test of who really is one, one of the best teams. And again, you have Brooklyn also playing into it as well. The tri-state Philly area should be really buckling up for this playoff, especially.
0: Yeah, and it's an exciting time, too. I mean, you're you're facing a Hawks team that isn't really that good on the road. They're four games under 500, 16 16-20 on the road. But they have the same record, uh, 41-31, as the Knicks. So, but then the line is only one and a half, so... That's going to be interesting to see Julius Randle go up against Trey Young, both very similar players, but Randle a better, of course, he's he's a power forward, he's taller, he gets more rebounds. Uh so that's going to be fun to watch and see the Knicks, you know, gel the way they do at Reggie Bullock, Alfred Payton and Emmanuel Quigley and RJ Barrett and even Nerlon's Noel at the center. I mean, I he, you know, Mitchell Robinson's been hurt and Noel's been playing very well and I think that they found, you know, he's anchoring that spot. So the Knicks are going to be fun to watch. They ended the season on a three-game win streak. They've beat good teams, too. They beat the Clippers by six about a couple weeks ago. They've beaten good teams. They beat the Hawks by ten, like five, four weeks ago. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the Knicks are going to play against the Hawks. It's going to be, you know, two young teams going at it. And it's going to be, I think that's, you know, a big series to watch. And I think whoever plays the, uh, you know, the Suns is going to be good, and I think the Mavericks Clippers is probably the series I'm looking at.
1: That, that Mavericks Clippers one's going to be huge, and last year, you saw it go down to the wire in six. Um, you have the uh, the Clippers, especially trying to bounce back off that really abysmal 3-1 upset last year. Dallas has been rising up for, for uh, the past few years now. Luka Doncic is just something else. You're seeing a big rematch. To be honest with you, I think it'll go seven, I'm not afraid to say Dallas is going to win that series. And Dallas is a team that can really stick it to LA. You've seen the Clippers, you know, choke at times in the playoffs or correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but they've never made a conference final in franchise history. I could be wrong on that point, but the point is is that they're coming off a choke last year 3 to 1 to Denver and that, Dallas has been rising up recently. They made their way in, into the top 6 6 they had a really uh, great, great, great end to that regular season of play. I'm really excited to see what this Dallas team can do. Luka Doncic back in the mix, Porzingis, Bull, Band, the entire crew, um, all together. I'm, I'm really excited for that rematch specifically. And, and to be honest with you, maybe not uh, that. Uh, that could be the most exciting first round matchup. Maybe even w- one of the more exciting matchups throughout the entire playoffs. We see.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know the Clippers never won a conference title or conference championship. I mean, they only won two division titles with the Lob City when it was Blake Griffin, DeAndre, and Chris Paul. So I, I would—I don't think they've gotten that far. But, you know, that upset was tough to watch, and especially with all the expectations that this team had with bringing in it Kawhi. It could happen and, again this year. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, a lot of people are holding on the Clippers, but the Mavericks have been a team that has, um, you know, gone up, up through the ranks. They've gotten a lot of good uh, good acquisitions. Doncic has really ran that team. He's really been the leader. He's been very efficient for them. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch to see how he plays up against this Kawhi Leonard and his team.
1: Dallas has always been a team I've been high on since the beginning of the year, and mainly as of recency. I've said it a few times, I think, on the program, but I think they can be a big sleeper in the West. And, and to be honest with you, don't be shocked if they make the final or win the final. I'm serious. Dallas could be a team that can really rise, c- continue to rise up to the ranks, especially, let's say, LeBron and the Lakers truly fall out to Golden State. I think with Doncic, with, with how powerful this Dallas team is, and the West is more competitive than, than the East. I get that completely. But at the same time, it's anybody's game, anybody, any night. At any time whatsoever, especially during this season, um, Dallas, I'm really looking, I, I'm really watching out for them. And Bro- Brooklyn's the favorite in the East, Philadelphia, whatever you want to say. Dallas is a team that, that can really shake up the entire playoff scenario in both conferences. And I would not be surprised if they, won, make the final or two, even win the entire thing. I, I, I personally wouldn't be shocked.
0: Dylan, who do you think is going to win the NBA? Who do you think is coming out of the? Who do you think is really poised to make a big roll, a big run that we really don't aren't really expecting?
2: Um, I I don't know because I I genuinely think like I, in the East at least I don't think anyone's going to beat the Nets. I, I really don't. They're just they're just too talented. Philadelphia will
1: give them a run for the money.
2: They might, but I don't see them beating the Nets in a seven game series. In in my personal opinion, but. I think the West – I think I, – I I am – I don't know. I like Dallas, but, you know, they literally lost to this team, like, last year, and there wasn't too much turnover between that time. And, you know, as much as the Clippers have a history of being, like, not clutch, they have Kawhi Leonard, who is one of the more clutch players in the history of the game. So, I, I don't know if anyone's really going to make a run. I just think the good teams are, are just too good. I can, You know, one team – if, if I were to pick a team that I think is going to make a run personally, I think LA is going to come back. The Lakers, I think with a healthy LeBron, if he is healthy and, and Anthony Davis, you know, I, I genuinely think if they're healthy and ready to go for the playoffs, I could see them making the finals again. It's going to be very hard to beat them four times.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's, I could see that too. You definitely don't want to count them out. I mean, I heard Max Kellerman say it earlier in the week. This is probably the toughest road for LeBron, his path to go to the finals, just because they got to play through the play-in round. And they are playing Steph Curry, of course, in that first game. And, you know, in that seventh and eighth place game, you know, if you lose, you got to play that winner, the loser of the 9-10. So there's definitely – it's going to be interesting to see if they can beat Steph Curry tonight. That's probably going to be a big, big game. I wouldn't
2: even sweat that if I was LeBron. playing Either playing the Spurs or the Grizzlies – yeah, they're 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 fine.
0: Yeah. They'll
1: be fine. But you I, have to get through Steph Curry first and that's the challenge and I really no, think they don't they that don't have Curry's to win. Like, to go they don't out.
2: have to win this game. Yeah, you get like, the no, other the loser yeah, of the 9-10. That's true. That's yeah. true. That's true. And if if I think if LeBron really does like if they make a run of the finals or even win the finals this year, I think it's going to change the goat debate for a lot of people because this is this is like an unprecedented run. Like Oh yeah from a possible seven or eight to winning the championship, I think that's going to change the debate for a lot of people.
0: Oh, I'm definitely.
2: The, definitely I, indeed. I'm already in the LeBron is the best player ever camp, so it won't change it for me, but I'm sure it'll change it for a lot of fans.
0: Especially the ones who are still in the uh, Michael Jordan camp, yeah.
1: I am. Yeah. I am still still in the MJ23 camp. But, I'll, Dylan, I'll go with your comment even further. R- really, really last season's championship season, was the one that that really put him back in the conversation this one will bring him a step further don't get me wrong altogether I mean I mean back to back's incredible and look I'll say this if he can get the six and six even seven and six of course he'll be the goat I get that completely if, if he especially gets the six and six he'll take over Michael Jordan last year was what was the real pivotal swing this this season let's say they do it might just be the icing on the cake that brings him another step closer to it.
0: Especially because he would be one ring away from tying MJ. He's got four right now. Absolutely. And he would have done it with, you know, the Lakers again. He won it the ring once with Cleveland. And then, um, of course, you know, we know we did with the Heat. And he went back-to-back with them as well. I I, I would not be surprised if he goes back-to-back with the Lakers.
2: It'll be interesting because there's a lot of teams in the West that, like, are very good. Like as much as Chris Paul not gets true. clowned for not having a ring, that team looks awesome. They're gonna be difficult to beat. Utah has been incredible they defensively. Team. They got Rudy Gobert, they have guys like Jordan Clarkson who's been hoping the past month. Absolutely hoping. Um The West is really interesting this year. There's a there's a few different teams that could win it. I mean, the Clippers turn it on, they're really talented. They could definitely, if they have a good stretch of games. They could absolutely win the West, so I'm really excited to see. Um, I, I think that I actually think the West is going to be more competitive uh, than the East this year. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: I don't
1: really oh, think easily. there's a easily.
2: I don't think there's a clear favorite in the West, and I think in the East, you could pick pretty much between Philadelphia and Brooklyn and be right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Though, though I mean, another team in the West, Portland as well. Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard. He's been clutch a lot of times before as well. I And Portland, they, they, they've got their sharpshooters, all that. And for, look, Denver's great. Don't get me wrong, but J- Jamal Murray has been a big hurt. That's a big loss. Jocic has been incredible to fill in the gap, which is unbelievable for center. But, I mean, Portland should be another one as well. And that specific Denver-Portland matchup also can pay dividends to what actually happens in the West as well. That's obvious. You mentioned Brooklyn and Philadelphia, the Knicks we, we talked about talked about a bit as well. Watch out for Miami again. And I'm saying Heat because you saw them as a five seed last year, take down Milwaukee in round two as Milwaukee was that first seed. They won in five. That's the first round matchup this year, the number six seeded Heat, the number three seeded Milwaukee Bucks. Watch out for that one as well. And look, whether it will be Philadelphia and Brooklyn, that might be a slam dunk. Miami could be one of those teams that could really make dividends and break dividends and really shock us again li- like they did last year. Miami's also a team in the East to watch out for, I think so, as well. A team that that that, that was undervalued last year. They made it to the finals. I think they might be a bit undervalued this year, too, because they're that sixth seed. But in in, in, in that first-round matchup, I think they could beat M- Milwaukee again. But just in in, in general in the East, The East might not be as wide open. It might be contained to just Philadelphia and Brooklyn. Miami could be arguably a third team or a fourth team, whatever you want to say about the Knicks, um, to possibly also making a a possible run, too. So you do have Brooklyn. You've got Philadelphia, of course. Keep Miami in that back pocket, though, at the same time.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to see how the NBA season